Relying on someone who doesn't know you or your situation to give you specific financial advice is just plain dumb. That's why everything said on this show is just helpful information. If you want specifics, give us a call. All opinions expressed here are ours. GenWealth Financial Advisors is a registered investment advisor with securities offered through LPL Financial. Member FINRA SIPC. It is a packed show today. First up, it's an in-depth look at the markets as LPL Financial Senior Market Strategist Ryan Dietrich joins us. Plus, eight money mistakes middle class people make and how to keep from making them. Arkansas's longest running financial talk show starts right now. This is the Get Ready for the Future Show. And welcome into another edition of the Get Ready for the Future Show. Broadcasting all across the state of Arkansas, we are glad to have you on what will be a cold January weekend. I know it's not supposed to feel like it right now, but it is going to nosedive, according to the meteorologists, before long. So, a good time to just start a fire, not go out, leave the radio on for the next hour, and get some financial talk into your lives as we talk about today... The eight money mistakes middle class people make, and we're obviously going to talk about ways to avoid making those mistakes as well as you head towards retirement and your financial goals. Plus, I know the markets are still on everyone's mind. We're going to be talking with Ryan Dietrich today, the LPL's senior market strategist about the markets and the economy. We'll start with that as we welcome in the rest of the crew. Tim Key to my left. Good morning, sir. Hey, good morning, Scott. And John Shrewsbury to my right. Hello. And Janet Walker to his right. Good morning. Glad to have you back, by the way. Yeah, your, glad your, to be back. Your voice was a little shaky last week, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah it it's was. that time of year for that. It, it is. I'm still drinking lots of hot tea, but I'm good to go. Yeah. <laughs> so when you talk about the markets, it's been a little bit of a rebound, John. We've had uh, a pretty good start to January. Uh, obviously, not all the losses of the last quarter have been recouped, but that would be very difficult to do in a short time frame for sure. But it seems like there's a little settling process going on. Yeah, I think that, uh, you know, the the whole issue of trade in China is beginning to fade a little bit. We'll talk to Ryan about this coming up. But, Scott, it really does bear out that sometimes, as we have said on the show many times before, sometimes what your portfolio needs is a good leave it alone. Just yes. leave it alone and things will be okay. We said that this does not look like a recession, and it continues to not look like a recession. It looks like maybe a correction in the markets that took place, and now that correction seems to be working its way back. I noticed that we were up 4% from the uh, first of the year on some of the indicators, and uh, markets are up as we speak. So those things are, are things that I think we just have got to get used to as time goes on, because, Janet, we expect more volatility in 2019. We absolutely do. You know, I was, I was having a conversation recently with somebody about how to talk with their parents about money and, and things like it was an adult talking with parents in their 60s about money and just kind of preparing for some of those next phases of life. And I said, you know, one of the most important things that people forget in that conversation is to just remove the emotion from it. Don't make it an emotional conversation. Just talk about money. And I would say the same thing is true in looking at Okay, what are the markets doing? People get so emotional about it, and it is the emotion that causes the mistakes. Yeah, and I think, Tim, if you look at what the markets did in the last quarter of 2018, there was some emotion tied in that, too. Oh, it was ugly, and yeah. I know that a lot of people are receiving their statements from their 401ks and their IRAs at this time of the year, and right after the fourth quarter ended. And it was it was impactful to them. And, I mean, we have forgotten that the market does go down at times. Mm -hmm. But, of course, like we've been talking about, January, we've gotten off to a pretty good start. And we hope to see that continue, obviously. And, you know, we don't see a recession coming this year. And we'll see that in the outlook that LPL has provided us for 2019. But um, we've got some good things going on right now. That was a great segue, by the way. The Outlook Workshop is coming up just around the corner on January 24th. That's next week. At 6.30 at the Crown Plaza in Little Rock. That's a Gen Wealth Academy workshop, but as Tim alluded to, it's LPL's research department providing us the presentation material 
to talk about Outlook 2019. What's going to happen or what are the, the folks at LPL Research think is going to happen in the markets and in the economy as we move forward? And I don't think it's any coincidence that uh, the registration numbers are way up for that, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And Scott, you know, we partner with LPL in a lot of things. And one of the things that they provide us is our back office support. They actually print the statements that people get. And mm-hmm. I'm usually very supportive of almost everything that LPL does on our behalf. But Janet, I have to say, this printing of the account balance the last <laughs> month and then the current account balance of yeah. one month yeah. snapshot mm. is really just a distraction. It is it, because, you know, the way we do everything in segmenting assets, there are there are lots of dollars for a client's overall portfolio that it doesn't really matter where we are for a 15-year time period or longer. And so if you're looking at that account statement and you're looking at a one-month period, you know, one month will mess with your emotions like yes. what we were just talking about, and it causes you to make emotional decisions or at least have emotional conversations. We need to step back and realize that's 15 years plus. And so when we have volatility like we've had in the last couple of months, and you see a month-to-month drop of, you know, five, six, seven, eight, nine percent or whatever the case may be, then you get a phone call about the time that the statement hits. But the interesting thing about those phone calls is that you can look on the computer and see it in real time and see, yes. that, you know, the account's now back up. Right. And Speaking so, of which, we have something amazing called account view which a very small percentage of our clients actually have and it would be wonderful to have in times like this when you're discouraged by your statement and your advisor says guess what we're up five thousand dollars from the statement you're looking at well if you have account view which is the ability to look at your accounts at any point online in real time in real time you would know that so if you are a client of gen wealth and you don't have the ability to do that you can reach out to us I'm just going to throw this out there, and Kelly's going to love me mm-hmm. for this. You can email Kelly. That's K-E-L-L-I at GetReadyForTheFuture.com and just let her know that you would like to set up Account View. What, about 20% of our clients? Yeah, about 20%. Yeah, so yeah. 80% of you out there listening to us who are Gen Wealth clients need to email Kelly. Good yeah. luck with that, Kelly. Yeah, we love you. you. <laughs> and if you have a smartphone, you can actually get it right on your phone to yeah. be able to pull that up and see Absolutely. what your account balances are. So Yeah, right. and and, and let me just say that that's a, that's a great feature. But again, uh, you you don't want to look at it day to day, right? Because it'll drive you crazy. You need to think about long term investing, and yes. We are watching. We are paying very close attention. Ryan Dietrich is like on first name basis with us. It's like, uh, I don't know, we email back and forth all the time about stuff that's going on in the markets and and that we're paying attention to the portfolios. So, you know, I think that sometimes, Scott, as you said, the emotion of seeing something that comes in the mail that says you had a big drop or hearing on TV, we had a big drop. You begin to get that, that feeling, that feeling like you had in 2008. And you go, I don't want to go through this again. And I don't see any evidence that we are about to go through this again. Yeah, I had this uh, similar discussion with my parents just not that long ago, in fact. And the thing we always talk about is it's just a number on a piece of paper until you're selling something, right? Right. So in the long-term investment strategy, if you're buying, it's actually a good thing when the market goes down because you're buying stocks on sale or you're buying your investments on sale. But then, of course, if you have a plan in place, Tim, when you're when you are starting to sell shares in retirement, if the plan is in place, our plan at GenWealth as part of the ready to retire process is not going to have you selling shares from a volatile bucket. Right. We're going to be selling shares out of something that's going to be very conservative. Um, We're just trying to get one to three percent normally on those early buckets. But we want to make sure that money is there when you need it. Scott, let me give you a takeaway from this. And I think I heard Brian Westbury say this. I'm not sure, but I, I, I filed it away and I thought, you know, there's going to be a particular time that, that this is very appropriate to say on the radio. And here it is. Volatility and risk are the prices that you have to pay in order to build wealth. Mm. Think about that. Mm-hmm. If you don't take any risk and you don't expose yourself to any volatility, then you're likely not to gain anything over time. And I think that's something that's a great takeaway that our clients can have 
from this recent spate of volatility. We're going to talk more about the markets and the economy with LPL Research Senior Market Strategist Ryan Dietrich. He joins us next on the Get Ready for the Future show. We're just getting started this Saturday. Hope you stay with us. Monday Join us for one of our live events in your area. Go to GetReadyForTheFuture.com slash events for a calendar. More of the Get Ready for the Future show after this. Life can be so busy it's hard to even picture retirement. That's why you need somebody you can trust who will paint that picture and help turn dreams into reality. Plan, personalize, and protect your future with the team at GenWealth. Call 877-341-7355 to schedule an appointment. Now, back to the Get Ready for the Future show. Investments and economics move at the speed of light. And we've got the latest information you need to know to stay ahead of the game. From GenWealth Financial Advisors, it's the fastest four minutes in investing. On social media and on radio, welcome into the fastest four minutes in investing. Scott Inman and John Shrewsbury. And we're going to leave the market and economy talk where we normally spend our time during this segment. For our social media viewers, we want to remind people this is a show, this is a segment on our radio show, the Get Ready for the Future show, which you can hear all across Arkansas on Saturday mornings at 10 a.m., we do want to leave that to LPL Research Senior Market Strategist Ryan Dietrich. He's going to be joining us on the radio side. So for this segment, we're going to still talk investing, John, but we're going to talk about five ways to uh, consider new investments or additional investments in 2019. And we're going to do it in now less than four minutes. So I'm challenging you a little bit here. We've okay. only got about three minutes and 20 seconds to get these five ways in. So let's roll with it. Number yeah. one, I think the thing that you need to think about in 2019 to put more money in your retirement is to leverage your tax refund. Think about it this way. If you get a $2,000 refund, that's a great way to start an IRA for yourself. Or you may be able to take that money and spend it and put more money into your 401k plan and maybe even get the match that you've been missing at your employer. So number one is to leverage that tax refund and find ways to use it to be creative to boost your retirement savings. Number two, my favorite thing as far as retirement is concerned is a Roth IRA. Scott is like the Swiss army knife of retirement planning. It is a, it's a tax deferred, tax-free income vehicle and there are a lot of ways that you could actually tap that Roth IRA for things without having to pay taxes on the money, like college education and things of that nature. So you want to find out about a Roth IRA. That's number two. Number three is to just go ahead and max out that 401k. I'm not just talking about the match, but go ahead and make the maximum contribution. You can make up to a $19,000 a year contribution to your 401k plan in most cases. Now, if you are over 50, you can play catch up and you can put more money into your 401k. You can put another $6,000 into your 401k. Now let's talk about IRAs for just a second. You can make a $6,000 contribution to an IRA this year for 2019, but you can also over 50 make an additional $1,000 contribution. So lots of ways that people can make contributions to retirement plans as far as IRAs and 401k plans are concerned. And that is really going to jump start your retirement. So let's go over. You got those done in, in way less than you needed to do. So let's slow down and go back over them. Five ways to uh, challenge yourself to invest more, to save more in 2019, leveraging your tax refund. And I love what you said there, John, about uh, not just think about it in terms of make taking it from one pile and putting in the other, but if you need to use that refund it offsets some of your expenditures throughout the year, and you can save more on a monthly basis. Yeah, and I think you've got to have a good cash flow plan to yep. be able to do that. And cash flow planning is going to be the buzzword for financial success from this point forward. If you're not managing your cash flow, if you're not telling your dollars where to go and how they need to be spent, then they've got a mind of themselves, and they're going to spend themselves in one way, shape, form, or fashion. I love what you said about the Roth IRA being the Swiss Army knife. It is the most flexible, versatile uh, type of of account that is out there. And really, would you say, I would say the most underutilized. Absolutely. And you may think that you can't qualify for a Roth IRA because in your household, you make too much money. Well, there is actually a way that you can create what is called a backdoor contribution to a Roth IRA. 
Too many details on that to get into on the show, but you can reach out to us here at Genwealth Financial Advisors, 501-653-7355. Our advisors know exactly how to access that Roth IRA, whether you make too much money or not. And the other three, max out your 401k, play catch up if you're 50 or older, and think about other tax-deferred benefits. That's it for the fastest four minutes in investing. The Get Ready for the Future show continues right after this. Stay in touch with the Get Ready for the Future show during the week. Search Facebook for GenWealth Financial Advisors or follow us on Twitter at GenWealthFA. More straight talk about money after this break. More straight talk about retirement, investments, and your money coming at you. We're back with the Get Ready for the Future show. My name is Scott Inman, John Shrewsbury, and Janet Walker. Joined now by Senior Market Strategist for LPL Research, Ryan Dietrich, on the Get Ready for the Future show. Ryan, so good of you to join us once again. Hope you're doing well this morning. No, thank you, guys. I'm doing really well this morning. It's a good start to 2019, as we'll talk about with the stocks, but I'm honored to be back every month. Looking forward to doing more of these hits, but I'm glad to be here today. Well, we are certainly glad to have you, and that is our jumping off point uh, today, is is to talk about where we have gone and start uh, the new year. It certainly appears that the markets have settled a little bit from all of the volatility of the last quarter of 2018. What's your take on what's driving this change of direction? Right. Well, Scott, let's take a look back first at the fourth quarter of 2018. Historically speaking, the fourth quarter is usually a pretty good year. Well, it was the worst, I'm sorry, usually a pretty good quarter. It was the worst quarter we've seen since the financial crisis for a fourth quarter. Also, the, the real kind of final kick of 2018. December historically has never been the worst month of the year for stocks, at least going back to 1950. Sure enough, December was the worst month. For, of the year last year for the S&P 500. So right there kind of sums up how tough late in the year was. But here's the good news. Why did we get in that much trouble? Well, we think it's kind of twofold, right? The trade concerns with China continue to dominate. Also, a disconnect between what the Fed was saying with interest rate hikes and what the market believed. Fortunately, as we move into 2019 with the S&P up over 4% for the year after the first 10 trading days, the best start in 16 years, we see some, you know, some, maybe some shining light, I guess we'll say, to a resolution with the China, China deal. And the Fed has really seemed to take its foot off the pedal, saying they're going to be more patient. And that's kind of what the market was expecting the whole time. So those two things have really kind of helped um, equity markets bounce off of some really oversold levels after a really rough, almost you could say terrible, fourth quarter for equities. Ryan, as our listeners know, we have a really keen focus on earnings to help us know the, where the direction the, of the market is going. And so can you give us sort of a preview of fourth quarter earnings results? We're beginning to see some pretty significant earnings uh, come in, especially this week. The big banks all reported really very good profits. Uh, that's right, John. So obviously, like I said, we're kind of old fashioned with LPL research. We still think Profits and growth drive long-term stock gains. When we get to fourth quarter earnings season, we're, we've had four consecutive quarters here, John, of over 10% year-over-year growth. Now, the third quarter was up almost 28% year-over-year third quarter earnings growth. That's, that's really good, obviously. The fourth quarter, we think, can come in more in the mid-teens. But nonetheless, you know, for the year last year, 2018, we're looking at over 20% earnings growth. And then next year, or well, sorry, 2019, we think we can maybe hit high single-digit earnings growth. So the bottom line here, earnings, like you said, from those banks that just came in, really good. Now, some of the data, actually, some of the things they said weren't that great, but the reactions from some of those big banks were really positive. And maybe finally, some of that bad news is finally being flushed out. And at LPL Research, we think we can have another really solid earnings quarter. And again, what are earnings doing? Yes, they're slowing from the recent peak, but we're still seeing record profits growth and record earnings growth. And historically speaking, you know, we can get into global if we want. We're seeing global economic and earnings growth as well. We've never had a recession when earnings are making new all-time highs, and that's where we are right now. So we're still encouraged by the earnings backdrop that can continue this overall you know, bullish cycle that we still think we're in. Even after a 20% correction, we still think the bull is alive and new highs are coming this year. So just as a follow-up with that strong earnings uh, season for the third quarter, it's okay that we've actually had a, a pullback in earnings, if you will, because we're still seeing strength 
strength. It was just abnormally high, I think, in the third quarter. What say you? No, you're right, John. I mean, absolutely. 28% year-over-year earnings growth is really, really strong, and most years don't see that. But you, know, you talk about 2019. You go back in history, you know, back almost 100 years. Earnings growth usually is about 6.5% for a year. So we had really strong earnings growth last year. But in 2019, we really think we can have above-average earnings growth with inflation numbers still low, with what's looking like a more accommodative Fed, with China potentially getting very close to dealing with the U.S. and China getting close to a deal, we think. March 1st is a big day when some of those tariffs come in play. We think both sides want to get there. If those things are out of the way, we can maybe focus again on our 2019 outlook, which was, you guys know, we titled Fundamental, what really drives long-term stock gains. It's fundamentals, and those earnings are still there for that backdrop. And yes, earnings are going slower. The key Here's one stat for you guys and for the listeners to know. We looked at the last five earnings cycles when earnings peaked in growth. Third quarter, they probably peaked in growth at 28%. The good news... A recession doesn't start for about four years on average after earnings peaked in growth because, again, they can still be positive. It's just that growth rate peak. So four more years till a recession, I don't think anyone would complain if we kind of followed history once again with that type of scenario. Ryan, let's talk a little bit about the government shutdown. As we record this interview today, the, the shutdown is rolling on, doesn't seem to have any end in sight at this point, and we've passed the point where now it is the longest government shutdown in history. So at what point do you become concerned about the potential impact on the economy? Well, for, great. That is obviously a great question, Janet. First things first, you know, we've taken a look at government shutdowns. We actually just wrote about it this week in one of our weekly economic commentaries. And what we found was this. Like you said, this is the longest ever, so it's tough to say what happens. Historically, when you have some longer-ish, say, most government shutdowns, first off, guys, last a couple days. The average is eight. Going back to mid-70s, there have been 20 shutdowns. So we've never had one this long, so we don't quite know. Our overall stance is yes. Should this drag out into the middle of February, maybe even into March, absolutely that could start to have some, you know, start to hit GDP. Most GDP, most economists, though, with fourth quarter GDP numbers and first quarter GDP numbers haven't really lowered their their overall GDP numbers, so that's a positive. But the bottom line, the market is a funny has a funny way of looking forward. When you look at the last 20 shutdowns, the S&P 500 is virtually flat. Now, this time, we're up almost 8% the first 25 days of the shutdown. There's other reasons for the bounce, I'm aware. But the market's kind of almost taking this in stride, and historically, when you look after a government shutdown, stocks tend to outperform those next 12 months, up 13% on average. And if you lose a little bit of GDP during a shutdown with government spending, which is about 10% of the GDP, and that can happen, confidence can come down too, you tend to see GDP pick up the next couple quarters. So it's kind of like you just push it back. So we're not minimizing the fact of a government shutdown and the, just the, you know, the two sides in Washington clearly not getting along, people that have lost first paychecks. At the same time, the market's forward-looking. And as of this time, we just don't see the government shut down. Other than the headlines are out there, it doesn't really seem to have an impact in stocks, obviously, and the economy can seem to pick it up once the government gets going again. We are talking with Ryan Dietrich, Senior Market Strategist for LPL Research on the Get Ready for the Future show. Ryan, good enough to join us once a month uh, on our program to talk about the markets and the economy. So let's go a little more forward-looking now. Uh, you've talked about continued earnings growth. Uh, if you want to get into the global economic health, I think we could probably dive in there, too. You mentioned the recession still unlikely in the near term, but when you look at historical data, and, and I know that you guys spend an awful lot of time doing that. There's the fundamentals, then there's also the historical data. When you look at that, what kind of guidance can we can we assume or at least uh, reasonably learn from in looking at that historical data moving forward once that shutdown uh, right. gets settled, let's assume? Sure. Well, once well, the good news is this. Last year, in 2018, we had two 10% corrections in the SP 500 the first half of the year, and then the big 19.8% correction during the second half of the year. We've taken a look at mid, so that was a midterm year last year. Midterm years, guys, during the four year presidential cycle are the most volatile, and they have the largest pullback out of the four year cycle. So we saw that, obviously. Now, we did not expect the drop we had in the fourth quarter because the fundamentals are still solid, but it happened. Here's the good news, though. If you're willing to hold those lows or a midterm year, going back to World War II, 12 months after those lows, the S&P 500 has been up every single time, actually up over 30% on average. Now, we're not calling for a 30% bounce from the Christmas Eve lows, but history tells you midterm years get the volatility, and then you get to year three of the presidential cycle, the, pre, uh, the, the um, pre-election year. Historically, those are pretty good years, and why is it? Well, 
People want to get reelected, right? I mean, that's why we don't think this China thing is going to go on forever. Both sides want to get the economy going. And, you know, this does, isn't about Republican. It's about Democrat. Historically, year three of the presidential cycle, where we are right now, has never been lower on a total return basis back to World War II. And you get big bounces off those midterm lows. So those are things to think about. Should China get out of the way? And, and the Fed, and we didn't even get into the Fed. I mean, the Fed is still there. The Fed... In September, the Fed was saying they're going to do four rate hikes. Market didn't buy it. That led to a lot of that disconnect in the fourth quarter. Now the Fed is saying they're going to be patient. Just yet, just um, like I said, on Tuesday, a Fed, one of the Fed presidents said, "Hey, Fed's going to be a lot more patient here. Maybe take their foot off the pedal." If that happens the first half of the year with no rate hikes, that's what the market's been thinking. Now the Fed and the market agree that can be another big stumbling block in the fourth quarter that's out of the way and potentially be positive for uh, equities here in 2019. So let's, uh, while we're talking about the Fed, let's talk about the bond market for a moment. You guys mm -hmm. came out in our outlook that we're going to be presenting next week live here in Little Rock and talked about that, that we're likely to see a flat bond market, uh, not a whole lot of movement as far as bonds are concerned. That was when the Fed was really talking about rate hikes. Have you guys changed your attitude about where we are in the bond market relative to the, the somewhat tampering of, of the Fed's language on interest rates? Well, John, that's a great point. You know, let's keep it simple. When rates go higher and yields go higher, bond prices tend to go down. Bonds virtually were flat last year. Now, this year coming into this year, again, we did expect to be flat to very muted, and we still are looking for a higher trending 10-year yield. And the reasoning behind that, again, the economy the economy is stronger, we think, than a lot of people give it credit. So we think that that 10-year yield could start to go higher. The yield curve, getting a little geeky talking about the yield curve, we think the yield curve could start to steepen as the economy improves. How we're positioning our model when it comes to fixed income, though, we are shortening up duration. What's that mean? Well, if you hold if a longer-term bond, when rates go up, those get hit more. So we're shortening up duration. We're buying higher-quality bonds as well. Because, again, later in the economic cycle, we think if there's trouble, the high-quality things can do well. So there's always a place for fixed income in a portfolio. Obviously, especially late in the economic cycle, when there's more volatility, you want some safety like bonds. But overall, bonds, we, we are lightening up a little bit, and we still think stocks are going to outperform bonds uh, in 2019. So we really haven't changed that view. So the real, I'm sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, Ryan, let me just share a really quick question from that we get a lot these days from our clients. They're kind of nervous about where we are domestically in terms of the stock market. You have said we're solid going forward. We all believe that. But the question they follow up with is how do you feel about international and emerging markets currently if they're scared on the domestic side? Sure. I know we don't have too much time left, but I'll make it like this. Emerging markets, we really like them. There's better growth out of emerging markets and really good valuations. When it comes to, that's emerging markets. We like that group. Developed markets, specifically thinking Europe. Look at Brexit. It's all over the news. There's still a lot of trouble in Europe with the growth rate. So we like emerging markets over developed markets. And guys, maybe I'll end it with this. You go back in history, when you, how often do you have two down years in a row? 73, 74, then 2000, 2001, 2002. Those were recessionary years. If you do not have a recession, Session, which we don't see in 2019, sure, stocks could be down this year. It's it was never happened, right? It's very rare to have two down years in a row without a recession. So think about that if the economy can improve and we think stocks can do pretty well in 2019. Ryan, thanks for being with us. As always, good to see you. Thank you, guys. Like what you hear? The Get Ready for the Future show is always just a click away. Find us on iTunes, Google Play, or on our website, getreadyforthefuture.com. We'll be right back. Tired of the commercials? We are too. Now back to the Get Ready for the Future show. Welcome back to the Get Ready for the Future show. Justin Moore making an appearance today. Well, yeah, we in sorts. J Justin is welcome anytime. He That's could right. be he could be listening today for that matter. He could right? very well be listening. Yeah, great, great Arkansas country artist and middle class money. That is the subject of the rest of the Get Ready for the Future show today. We're talking about eight money mistakes middle class people make. And I, I do think whether wherever you put the definitions or the or the lines of of income or wealth on what actually defines middle class. I think most of us in Arkansas feel like we're middle class, right? We, we, we live that lifestyle, and we live under those parameters. But what are the mistakes that we are making that are causing us to miss out on reaching our financial goals or having a successful retirement? We're going to talk about those today. And so much of this 
can still be tied back to psychology. And I do want to take a minute to remind folks, if you missed our show from a couple of weeks ago, it was the week of the uh, national championship game. That that weekend after the national championship game played on Monday, we had a great interview with sports psychologist Brett McCabe. Uh, and if you missed that, you can go back on podcast and get that iTunes or Stitcher version of that interview. And he had a lot to say about our mindset and how that really sets the table for either the mistakes or the successes in our financial world. About 20% of what happens to you is is dictates how your your finances go. About 80% of it is how you take it, you know, what yeah. you do with it. And and yes, do people have hard times? Yes. Do people have setbacks? Yes. I think that everybody at this table could probably tell their own story if we oh, had yeah. time today about financial setbacks that we've had, financial hardships that we've had. But you have to look at how you overcome those and your mindset is huge in that effort to overcome. So let's talk about what some of these things are that keep the the middle class in the middle, keep them from moving up. What are some of those on the list today? Have you ever have you ever played that uh, game with kids, monkey in the middle? Yeah. yeah. Well, it's kind of the same thing. You know, you, <laughs> you throw the ball back and forth and yeah. they, they, they can't ever get it. They can't mm-hmm. ever break out of the middle. Right. And that's where a lot of people are in middle class and nothing keeps the middle class in the middle like debt. Yeah, and and I was reminded of this when uh, I was watching the national news last week, and and everybody knows we're still in the throes of, uh, or at the time of this broadcast, we are still in the throes of a partial government shutdown, which means the non-essential uh, services, which also means the non-essential federal workers, have not been getting paid, or they didn't get paid on their last pay stub. And the national news did a story about that, and and the story kind of veered into not only did they not get paid. But they are not able to deal with it. They did. They they shared stories of many federal workers who uh, were going on social media and trying to sell some of their jewelry or their personal items just to make ends meet, just to pay bills. And I thought it was very interesting that the reporter who was doing the story in his tag actually referred to this. He said, "Another reminder." of how Americans are living paycheck to paycheck. And it was for me, too, as I was watching that story play out. It is a reminder that people aren't putting their money away. And that, John, is number one on our list. A reason that they're not putting money away is because their money is going elsewhere. They're racking up too much debt. According to a recent study by the Federal Reserve Bank of Boston, 65% of credit card users carry a balance and the average credit card interest rate is now over 15%. So let's do some math on this for just a second. If you take that average credit card interest rate at 15%, and let's suppose you have a $10,000 balance on your credit card, you're paying $125 a month on your credit card debt just to service the interest on your credit card debt. Now, ask yourself... Number one, are you saving $125 a month, either in your emergency fund or in your retirement account? If the answer is no, then guess what? You're financing someone else's retirement instead of your own with that debt. So let's talk about car payments a little bit, because I think that as a society, we tend to classify in our minds good debt and bad debt, like credit cards are bad, but you know a car payment is okay because you have to get to work and that type of thing. Well, here's the reality for middle class. This is something you need to understand. Debt is not a necessity. Now, we'll, we'll give a little bit of a pass on a mortgage for a period of time, but not even for 30 years on that. But debt is not a necessity to make it through life. My parents never in their lifetimes had a car payment. Somehow I missed that life lesson, and I had one for a period of time time. I don't anymore and I won't anymore. I remember sitting with some clients who they were middle class, but you know, we have to acknowledge there's low middle class, there's middle middle class, and there's upper middle class. All right. They were comfortable middle class. And we were talking through their cash flow and everything and they started talking about their car payment. And and I said, Why do you why do you have this? And she said, Well I mean you're always going to have a car payment. And just stopped like that was the end of the conversation. You're the always gospel gonna... according to her, right? Exactly. <laughs> well, and think about it. That's that's all she had ever seen. That's all she had ever observed. That's all she knew. So in her mind, that was truth. Let me say it doesn't have to be your reality. And that couple now, by the way, does not have a car payment anymore because they got into a different mindset. 
So let's let's talk about that for just a second because you just can't go bippity boppity boop and and suddenly <laughs> not have a car payment. Right. You've got to to be able to cash flow that out of your own savings if you're going to go buy a twenty or thirty thousand dollar car or however much it's going to cost you you've got to be able to write a check for that and that's something that it really requires planning and a lot of forethought to be able to do well and let me ask why do you have to have a thirty thousand dollar car well you don't but you don't that's it there's no but just you don't and so if you can get if you're in a situation where a thirty thousand dollar car would require you to have a payment don't get a $30,000 car. Get a $15,000 car. You can get one that's not going to require you to go back and forth to the mechanic all the time at $15,000. Drive that. Make a payment to yourself and be done making payments to anybody else. Save that money so that in the future you have it. When you look at the average car payment in 2018 was $523, according to Experian. Think about if every Arkansan had another $523 in their pocket every month. Mm. What kind of a difference would that make for their retirement, for their emergency funds, for them getting out of middle class? Here's the big problem with uh, any type of vehicle payment. You're financing something that is a depreciating asset. You have to understand that that car is going to be worth a lot less after you drive it off the lot, and it's going to continue to go down in value. Regardless of what you may think about how valuable your car is, according to the Blue Book, it is going to be less and less in value as you put more miles on it and as it gets more years on its longevity. Let's talk about the most famous wealthy Arkansan. Sam Walton, mm-hmm. his vehicle was an old red and white pickup truck. Mm-hmm. He wasn't spending money on the vehicle. Now, he could have, you know, <laughs> paid cash for anything, but he didn't. And it's all about your choices. So racking up too much debt, number one on our list of the eight money mistakes middle class people make. Number two is not having an emergency fund. And Tim, I think these go hand in hand. When you talk about credit card debt and you talk about uh, owing money on a vehicle, if you're continuing to make those payments and it stretches your cash flow to the point where you have nothing left at the end of the month, not only are you not investing or saving for retirement, you're not even building an emergency fund. And then here comes the snowball because the next time the vehicle goes out or you need a new vehicle, it happens all over again. Yeah, that goes back to those that can't live. You know, We're all living paycheck to paycheck. Yeah. But we, we can't, um, if we miss that paycheck, we just can't go on another week because we're out of money. And that's where this emergency fund really comes into play. If you had the emergency fund and you weren't getting paid, you would actually be able to go ahead and step in and maybe make those payments on whatever you had for a few weeks longer. And one of the big things about the emergency fund is it helps us keep from using that credit card to go further and further into debt. So if you have a blowout on the interstate and you need to get new tires, you can actually go and just pay out of that emergency fund to buy that new tire instead of putting that on your credit card and then paying that 15% interest on it. And has anybody bought tires lately? They are expensive. They are expensive. They are not cheap at all. (laughs) So let's put some numbers behind this. Nearly half, 46% of us would struggle, and this is a a United States countrywide uh, number, would struggle to cover a $400 emergency, according to a 2016 Federal Reserve report. The last time I think I quoted this, it was a $1,000 emergency. So this mm, number is even more yeah. amazing. $400. And and that's not very, I mean, that you talk about, that's one tire for some people's vehicles, right? Yeah, I mean, it's exactly. a couple of tires for others. But now the figure does get skewed a little bit because if you break it down to income levels, 81% of people making $100,000 said they could cover that cost. I would hope so. Only 34% of those making 40000 or less could cover it. And the bottom line here is emergencies can and will happen on various levels of what constitutes an emergency. I think I shared my story just a couple of weeks ago. I had to buy a washer and dryer. Yeah. And that yeah. was not $400. No, it was not. <laughs> so you have to have some money set aside or you will continue that. We talk about debt snowballs in a good way. That's another kind of debt snowball. Your, yeah. your debt will snowball and grow if you can never pay for anything out of pocket. I think the key here is to create some margin in your 
banking and and money management process. Mm-hmm. If you're always spending everything that you make, you won't ever create that margin. And so you can't have an emergency fund, you can't pay off debt, and you can't take advantage of your retirement accounts. If you are putting money in a retirement account, another mistake that people make that keep them in the middle class is not giving their retirement a raise when they get one. Mm-hmm. Just automatically increasing your retirement contributions when you get a raise will help you work toward financial independence. That's something that everybody really ought to do. And then when you also think about it, Janet, you've got to rely on something else in addition to your 401k plan. You're absolutely right. To be able to supplement your 401k, to look at Roth IRAs, that type of thing, to additionally plan for retirement. But let's circle back to the 401k for a minute and to that raise. So the average Arkansan makes a little over $40,000 a year. So just for easy math, let's say they get a 4% raise. Well, that's $1,600 of additional gross income for the year. So instead of taking that $1,600 and adding it to whatever cash flow that just goes out the door and you don't know where it went, if you take a couple of hundred dollars of that and add to your 401k contribution, so you're increasing the money that you're putting into your plan, then you've also got the remaining $1,400 that you can live on and enjoy the raise that you've earned at that point. But most people don't think about, okay, I got a raise, so I need to give my 401k a raise, so to speak. I want to remind folks about our Market Outlook 2019 Gen Wealth Academy workshop coming up next week. January 24th is the date. 6.30 is the time. It happens at the Crown Plaza in Little Rock. If you'd like to come and, and listen to that presentation, it's absolutely free to attend. You can go to GetReadyForTheFuture.com and find out how to register. It is filling up fast, though, so I would suggest you do it very soon. There may be uh, not a seat left before the uh, end of the weekend. We'll continue with the eight money mistakes middle-class people make right after this. The road to financial independence isn't easy, but it starts here. Back with more financial wisdom from the Gen Wealth team after the break. You're listening to the Get Ready for the Future show. got questions we've got answers email info at getreadyforthefuture.com with your name location and question to get a response on the air from the gen wealth team now back to the get ready for the future show with offices all across the state of arkansas there's a gen wealth financial advisor near you you can find one in the west little rock office also bryant hot springs el dorado and shreveport Bossier city if you'd like to set up your first complimentary appointment with a Gen Wealth advisor, just give us a call, 501-653-7355. Now, that's the main number in our Bryant office, but it will get you in touch with and set an appointment with an advisor near you. Again, it's 501-653-7355. You can also reach out by email, info at getreadyforthefuture.com. Well, we're talking today about the eight money mistakes or eight of money the money mistakes that middle-class people make. Let's recap from our last segment. Number one was racking up too much debt. Number two, not having an emergency fund. And we can certainly walk through with you what that number should be in your individual case. Number three, we touched on briefly as well as number four. Number three is not giving your retirement a raise when you get one. If you get, say, a 4% raise, then increase your retirement contributions, at least proportionally. And number four, relying entirely on a 401k plan. And obviously, the max is rather daunting if you are just getting started trying to put some money away for retirement. That's a lot of money you could put. But I, I see uh, in, in our office in West Little Rock, John, even folks that are pretty high earners stopping when they're getting enough to get the match, when they're contributing enough mm-hmm. to get the match and they think they're good. Yeah, that that is a big misnomer that you are doing what you need to do if you contribute enough to your 401k to get the match. Do we want you to do that? Absolutely yep. we do. Do we want you to do more? Absolutely. So the next place that you probably should go is to take a look at a Roth IRA. If you qualify for a Roth IRA, then you certainly ought to be putting money in a Roth IRA because Roth IRA gives you some investment diversification, but it also gives you something called tax diversification. The 401k money that you take out of your uh, plan when you retire is going to be fully taxable to you because you haven't been taxed on that money up to that point. But the Roth IRA money is totally 100% tax-free and And that gives you some leverage as far as your income is concerned when you retire. 
Well, the general answer, if someone asks in our office that I give, if they say, well, how much should I be be saving for retirement? I usually start with, well, I've never had anybody come in and say I save too much for retirement. Absolutely. Let's get going as much as you can. But really, it starts to become fine-tuned when you get a plan in place. If you want to know how much you need to save, you need to know where you're going. When is retirement? How much income are you going to need in retirement? And that goes back to the financial planning that we do here at GenWealth. All right, so number five on our list are the eight money mistakes that middle-class people make not taking advantage of health savings accounts. And that's that's true for a lot of folks, too. If you have health savings accounts available to you at, through your health insurance, through your employer, that is a big way to save money. It's a big way to cut your expenses and save some money. But, Janet, that health savings account can actually have a dual purpose. Yeah, you're right. A lot of people will use that uh, later on for additional retirement savings. So when when you think about what you can do with that health savings account, it's just another way to defer taxation on money, Scott. And if you have to use that to pay for medical expenses, then you're not paying taxes on that money for those medical expenses. But if you don't have to use it, then it becomes a tax-deferred long-term savings program that you can supplement your retirement with. This can be a real advantage for people if they're going to retire pre-65 before they get into Medicare and other coverages like that. So number six on the list is delaying retirement savings. So we talked about maybe not saving enough and trying to ramp up savings. But what if you have just been delaying retirement savings? And it's usually not an intentional delay. I mean, we know life happens and we know that there are stages to life. When you're in your 20s, you're probably not thinking much about what life is going to be like at 65. Although I will say I've had clients in there in their 20s recently who that is on their mind. I think millennials are maybe starting to get it more than my generation. But then when you get into your child rearing years, you're buying a house, you're probably adding the mortgage, you're adding children. There is a There are a lot of excuses out there for sure, to not be putting money away for retirement. Scott, if you've read our book, Your Retirement Should Be More, you know about our story about Rusty. He was a client of mine very early on in my career, and I'd set up a Roth IRA for him to save for his retirement. He was in his 20s, and he was really happy that he had that Roth IRA and what have you until he went to his CPA. And the CPA, for whatever reason, tells him, Janet, that he is too young to be saving for retirement. There is no such thing. Let me just tell you, if if either one of my children had been the Gerber baby and had income as a baby, they'd have had a Roth IRA. There you go. Period. Absolutely. And Tim, you know, just from a numerical standpoint, I just don't know how that makes sense. Well, it really doesn't because obviously the Roth IRA, you want as many years as you can have to let that grow. And the more years you have, the more compounding that's going to have as far as that return goes. And if you can get that fully funded in your 20s, I'd go for it. Because by the time you're ready for retirement in your early 60s, you're going to have a lot of money sitting in that mm-hmm. Roth IRA if it's been mm-hmm. invested correctly. Shameless plug here, retirementshouldbemore.com. You can pick up a copy of our book or you can actually call our office. We'd be glad to get one out to you, 501-653-7355. And I've said this often in client meetings too. There's a reason there's a clock as the Gen Wealth logo. When we talk about investing, everything we're talking about is time, even if it is segmented into your retirement or especially if you're younger and you're putting money away, as Tim mentioned, that compound interest, the time necessary to allow it to grow. Let me say one other thing about this. There will be always, forever in your life, there will be reasons why you should delay investing. I don't care where you are in life. I don't care what you're doing. There are distractions in your 20s. There are distractions in your 30s. There are distractions in your 50s to say, I'm just going to put that off a little bit more. I'm just going to do that a little bit later. And it is doing absolutely nothing but destroying your ability to become financially independent if you give in to those things. Number seven on our list of eight money mistakes that middle-class people make. We'll briefly touch on this one, but it is important. Forgetting to update beneficiary designations on retirement accounts or life insurance policies, annuities, whatever it is that you have uh, as wealth. Sometimes as we talk about life happens, life changes, but yeah. we forget to pay attention to those accounts. So there were there's an 
awkward appointment mm-hmm. story from a few years ago that I get to tell on this one. So I'm sitting in an appointment with husband and wife and the wife's name is Anne and we're reviewing all of this information, including life insurance and everything. And I look on uh, this one life insurance policy and I'm looking at the beneficiary and it's Anne, but it's a different last name. And I look at the wife and I say, what, what was your maiden name? And it's still not the name that I'm seeing on the, on the beneficiary information. And I, and I just kind of had these, you know, furrowed eyebrows and they said, what, what's the matter? And I said, well, I was just trying to figure out what we've got going on on the beneficiary here. And I, and I named who it was. You could have heard a pin drop mm. in All that the room. air left the room. Because apparently not only was his current wife named Anne, but his former wife was named Anne. And I will tell you, neither one of them wanted the former wife to get the money from that life insurance policy. But if he had died and it had gone to the first wife, I'm telling you, the second wife would have brought him back from the dead and killed him again. Because it was it was not a good thing. But the point is... We don't think to review those types of things. That's really something that needs to be part of kind of an annual checkup. This is something that we've implemented as part of our reviews for our clients is to review your account beneficiary information. Let's talk about why that is important because so many people think, well, I've got a will. That'll just take care of it. It does not. A beneficiary designation trumps any financial planning document or any estate planning document that you have. There is nothing that will override that beneficiary designation because that is part of the contract. So if your beneficiaries are wrong on your life insurance policy, on your IRA, on your 401k, the money's going to the wrong person. That's right. Our final number, our final money mistake that middle-class people make is failing to plan. And we've alluded to this already in the show just a little bit, but the importance of knowing where you're going, where the destination is, starts to put into, well, it does It does several things. One of the things it does, Tim, is it, it gives you some numbers. It gives you, right. it, it gives you some goals as far as what your income goal should be in retirement, what your asset goal should be what you need to be saving to achieve that. But having it on paper on purpose now gives you some motivation. Well, I think you hit the nail on the head right there, Scott, with having it on paper on purpose. Because once you write a goal down, then it really becomes real to you. And you actually have something that you're shooting for at that point. If you just believe or dream it, it's really all that is is a dream. It's a vapor out there that um, is going to disappear and you are going to not hit that goal. But once you actually write it down, have a purpose for hitting it, you're going to do everything you can to actually achieve that and, and, and make that goal. Well, when you think about life happens, if you've got that written plan in place, John, it, you go back to it and you stay driven, you stay motivated. We talked about it with the interview with Brett McCabe. It's about discipline and sacrifice. If you don't have that written down, you can forget that really easily. You're absolutely right. The plan is your guide. The plan is your roadmap to where you're going. If you started out on a journey, you'd want to have some type of map, a GPS, uh, something on your phone that was telling you you were making the right moves, the right turns, and the right speed, and all of that. That's what a plan is. And our commitment, our firm commitment to our clients at Genwell Financial Advisors is that we're going to give you a written, customized plan on paper, on purpose, because that's what you need to be able to break out of the middle class, to be able to build wealth and be able to reach that level of financial independence. You really don't have a lot of shot to get there, except for maybe, you know, a rich uncle dying and giving you money. That's about the only shot that you've got to get there, other than having the discipline and the focus to have a plan. As we wrap up today's show, I do want to mention that, Tim, you've got a, a blog coming out that you've entitled Stuck in the Middle. That'll be up very soon as well. I believe it should be out on Wednesday. Yeah, so we'll be you'll be able to check that out. We invite you to check out our Facebook page to find that Stuck in the Middle as we talk about these money mistakes that middle class people make. Next week's show, this month we've been talking about things to help you have a more financially productive year. Next week, it's more straight talk about balancing life and finances to get more out of your 2019. We hope you'll join us then. Don't forget about the workshop January 24th. That's next week, 630 at the Crown Plaza. Sign up at getreadyforthefuture.com, and we will talk to you again next week. Thanks for listening. 
The Gen Wealth Financial Team is available to you 24-7 at info at getreadyforthefuture.com or call our offices at 844-869-PLAN. The Get Ready for the Future show is a production of Gen Wealth Financial Advisors and opinions expressed are not those of this radio station and are for general information only. You should personally consult a financial advisor before making any investment and no strategy can assure success. Gen Wealth Financial Advisors is an Arkansas registered investment advisor with securities offered through LPL Financial. Member FINRA SIPC. Thank you.